Welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Eberly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. 1 Peter 1, verse number 5, it says, Who are kept, he's talking to you and me, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Say this out loud. We are kept by the power of God through faith. How many of you know there's a whole lot in that verse right there? We're kept by the power of God through faith. The word kept means protected, preserved, sustained, upheld, guarded, defended, energized, kept strong, and all those things. How many of you know it's one thing to get saved, but it's another thing to stay saved? It's one thing to receive something from God. It's another thing to have it next year. And we can keep things and God keeps us by the power that he's put into our lives. He's given us his power. Amen. Aren't you glad that he gave us his power? Yes. You know, a lot of times we, we look at this verse and we don't realize what he's saying, but think about it. This is talking about God's keeping. God, God the, the love God that we serve. He's our father, you know, and our father takes care of us. How many of you know you're not like the people out in the world? They're orphans out there. They don't, Bible says you're of your father the devil, talking about people that aren't saved. Well, that's not a very good father. That's basically like being fatherless or maybe even worse than fatherless. Because no father, you don't get anything from your father. But if the, your father the devil, you're going to get only bad things from him. That'd be like a bad dad, you know, beating on kids or something. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So we, we are not like the world. We have, a, we have a heavenly father. We have a good heavenly father. And the Bible says he loves us and takes care of us. You know, the Bible says, casting all your care on him for he cares for you. How many of you know you have to practice that? You have to cast your care on the Lord and it'll try to get back on you, but you've got to keep it over on him. You've got to keep casting it over on him. Am I in the right room tonight? So our father takes care of us. And this is talking about his care. This is talking about his keeping, his protection, and his, he sustains our lives. He keeps our lives really uh, blessed is what he's talking about. And he does it through his power. But his power is not just uh, active for anybody. It's those who were kept by the power of God through faith. In other words, the power of God is kept active through the faith that we release. Amen. Now, it's one thing to get saved. We're, we're saved by faith. But it's another thing. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. That means every area of our lives is to be under the influence of our faith. In other words, we're to be speaking the faith of God, the word of God, what we trust God for. We're to be speaking it over every area of our lives. So we live by faith and we're kept by the faith that we release. The power of God is activated through that faith. And that power will protect us. It'll keep us. It'll maintain and sustain us in every area of life. Amen. And so let's go over to the book of 1 Thessalonians also. Excuse me, 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to look at a few verses. We're going to put these together and then uh, we're going to launch into something the Lord put strongly on my heart. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. This verse has been uh, just before my... Actually, I was praying and going to, coming up to the office yesterday and it came boiling up in my spirit again, all over again. I've studied this and it's just a blessing, but it came back again. First, uh, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 11. It says, Wherefore, also we pray always for you. Paul's praying for the church of Thessalonica. We pray for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. Now, if you go back to verse 10, um, 
it talks about when he came to be glorified in his saints. Verse 10, first, verse, first part of the verse, verse 10, to be glorified in his saints. Well, that's our calling. Our calling is to bring glory to him. Yes. I'm, everybody say, I'm called to bring glory to God. Well, you can't bring glory to God living under the curse. That doesn't bring glory to God. Whenever he's redeemed us from the curse and we're living under it, that doesn't bring glory to God. We're actually not under the curse, but we're redeemed from Satan's power and his influence. The Bible says, don't give place to the devil. Isn't that right? But you know, if we're giving place to him, that doesn't give glory to God. It gives glory to God that we're experiencing what the Bible says is ours. You know, if you used to be all wrought up and anxious and tor tormented and on medication because of anxiety and so forth, and uh, then you, then you uh, get free from that through the Word of God, taking your word, faith and acting on the Word of God, casting your care on the Lord, and, and, and all of a sudden you're off of your medication and your family comes together at Thanksgiving time and they see you all different and everything. That's going to give glory to God. Now, they might not, they might not say anything, but, but your testimony is, see... God's power is real and it's working in me. Isn't that right? You know, a lot of your relatives wouldn't dare let on that they're watching you, but they are watching you. They'll say some things, sound like they don't, you know, but they're watching you. My relatives watched me for a long time. They thought, they thought all kinds of things about me. They thought I went off the deep end. But you know, now they're kind of saying, now whenever they want prayer, they always call me for prayer, you know, because they realize they see the word of God's working for me. Something to that that, he, that, that, that that he's preaching, you know. There's something to that. It's almost like the Bible's true or something. Well, see, we just love them through it, and eventually they come around and see it. That's called bringing glory to God. Now, verse 11 says, We pray that God would count you worthy of this calling of bringing glory to God and fulfilling all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That has stood out to me over the last year, especially the work of faith with power. I used to not quite understand what he was saying because I never, I never looked at it in other translations. But listen to this translation. Every good thing, he'll, or in other words, he'll complete and perfect every good thing he has purposed. He'll complete and perfect it. The, in, other, in other words, every good thing that is his plan for you or I, he'll perfect it or he'll complete it. In other words, he'll bring it to fulfillment. See that word fulfill there? He'll fulfill it by, by the uh, action of our faith and the power of God. Knox says all the activity of your faith is what he'll fill with his power. You like that? All the activity of your faith. Now, I've met many Christians that just don't seem to have much power. Now, it's available for them, but they're not giving action to it. You know, he's able to do in our lives, uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, he's able to exceeding abundantly according to the power that works in us. Not the power that is towards us. The Bible says the power that raised Christ from the dead is directed towards us. But see, you and I have got to give action to it. It's not enough that power is directed towards you. In your house, there's power running to your house. But you've got to do something to flip the switch. 
It'll cook your meals. It'll turn your lights on. It'll heat your house. It'll blow, run your blow dryer, all kinds of stuff. It'll wash your clothes. All, you know, but you got to flip the switch. Same thing true with the power of God. It's directed towards you, but, but God doesn't get his way in, in your life because it's directed towards you. You, on your end, have been given the, the ability to, to release that through acting in faith on God's word. He's able to do it according to the power that works in you. So I see many Christians that they don't seem to have much happening in their lives, but it's because the power that God's directed towards them has, been, has become dormant because of not mixing any faith with that. Now I'm going to preach this until Eastern Iowa either gets mad or gets glad about it. <laughs> Amen. The power of God is yours to use to bring glory to God. It's yours to mix your faith with it. He'll supply the power, but you've got to mix faith with it. In other words, you supply the faith, he'll supply the power. Yes. And there's, there's, there's active power and there's dormant power. Yes. The power of God is yours, but you've got to bring it and make it active. And he'll fill, literally the word fulfill, actually in the Greek means fill. It means to level up, to make full, it, to level up a, fern, a, a hollow place. It means to furnish or supply. So you could read it that way. He'll, he'll furnish or supply all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with his power. In other words, he'll supply the work or actions of your faith with his power. Now, you didn't get that. Let me say that again. There is a supply that's yours, but whenever you act in faith is whenever that supply becomes active. You have to act in faith. You have to be, how do I act in faith? You take God's word and act like it's so. You, say, you talk like it so. You learn to think in line with the word of God. You learn to speak it over yourself rather than what are we going to do? You say, I have a supply and it's working for me now. Yes. See, glory to God. Yes. You did this for months, a year, and all of a sudden, bam, the power kicked in and she got a house. How many bids? Three bids were higher than yours. And, and the lady said, or whoever lady or man said, um, I'm going to give it to her. She bought a house. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. But she kept it active. See, it's working for her. Is it working for you? You got you to gotta do like she did. She just said, no, no. And she, when the thoughts would come, she'd tell the devil, you shut up. That's not, that's not my thought. That's your thought. And it's a, she sent pictures to us. It's nice, clean little house. I, I tell you, that's pretty nice inside. When's dinner? We're coming over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, so, but you got to know that the power of God is able to do things beyond your ability. Now, I don't know if you, I've, I've ever shared this or not, but over in Mark 11, 23, you remember that verse? You know, I mean, I know I've shared that verse, but I'm talking about, there's something about that verse I probably maybe have shared with you, maybe not. Remember Mark 11, 23? Jesus said, now, this isn't me. This is Jesus said this. Some people say, oh, that's that faith message. Yeah, Jesus preached it. So if you don't like it, you don't like Jesus preaching. Jesus said it's in red. Hallelujah. Somebody said red in the Bible means it's the hot sauce of God's word. This is hot in red. Jesus said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. I'm a whosoever. Are you a whosoever? Well, see, it doesn't work for me. I'll tell you why. It's because you're not doing it. Yeah. It is actually working for you because you just said it's not working and it's working because you said it's not working, so it's working. It's not working. Yeah. Pastor, I didn't get that. Well, 
Go home and pray through. You'll get it. You know what I'm talking about? Whosoever shall say, I'm a whosoever, say I'm a whosoever. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Well, he's talking, to, uh, he's probably illustrating with a natural mountain, but he's not just talking about a mountain because he said, be removed and be cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He'll have whatsoever, he says. So he's not just talking about talking to a mountain, he's talking about having whatsoever you say. Whatever you say, if you don't doubt it in your heart, if God's word provides it for you, now, you might go home and say, well, I'm going to believe for five million oil wells. Well, number one, God's word didn't promise you five million oil wells. And besides that, if I were you, I'd start with one. You might want to, you know, do like David, take the lion or the bear before you take the giant, you know. But anyway, my point is, you got to have the word of God that promises it for you. But he said, you'll have it if you say it and don't doubt it in your heart. Well, I did that last, last Wednesday and it didn't work. Well, you held in there, didn't you? No, you got to keep, you got to stick with it. We're going to get to that. Anyway, he said, he'll have whatsoever he saith. Believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. The, the Greek word, the, the words come to pass are from one Greek word in the Greek language. Y'all, y'all paying attention to me here? It's from one Greek word. The Greek word, I think it's pronounced something like this, ganamahi, something like that, ganamahi. Greek word ganamahi. The Greek word ganamahi means to generate, to cause to be. To generate, to cause to be. So let's, let's read it that way. Believe that those things which he saith shall be generated. Oh man, you didn't. I didn't even have anybody preaching it whenever I saw it. I was in my bedroom at home years ago and I got so happy I ran around the audit, ran around the, you know. And you're looking at me like you'd heard that before. You haven't heard that before. Be, be, believe those things which he saith shall be generated. Or caused to be. Believe that when you say it, it's being caused to be. Now we're not talking about some humanistic stuff that happens outside of the power of God. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about your words release the power of God, which is really the only creative thing on the planet. You're not creative. You can't cause anything to be. We're talking about faith in God and the power of God coming to meet your faith. And that'll cause it to be, cause it to come to pass. Hallelujah. Man, oh man. Some of you looking at me real strange tonight. Now here he said, fulfill, back here in 2 Thessalonians 1, he'll fulfill, literally the word means fill up, the, the, the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. So you could say he'll fill the work or the actions of your faith with his power. The reason some Christians don't seem to have much power working for them is because they're not acting much in faith. They're acting in fear. They're acting in unbelief. They're acting in worry. What are we going to do? They're talking worry. They're talking unbelief. And it's, it's causing the power of God to be shut down. He doesn't fill worry with his power. <laughs> he doesn't fill talking the problem with his power. You need to talk the power to the problem. Don't talk the problem to the power. Talk the power to the problem. Talk, talk things that are going to release the thing, the, the power of God that can change the problem. If you don't want the problem, apply the power to the problem. 
rather than applying the power of Satan to it, because the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Apply the power of God to it. You know, whenever you and I talk worry and unbelief, it's like we're taking Satan's extension cord, comes out of hell, and we're plugging his power into it. We're saying, just keep right on doing it, Mr. Devil. Just keep right on doing it. Charge it up so it runs tomorrow. You know what I'm talking about? Shucking the corn tonight. We don't want to do that. We want to get that plug, plug unplugged and plug the power of God into it. You can plug the power into cancer and it'll kill it. <laughs> Isn't that right? You can apply this and direct it towards the things that you need in your life. God's given you his power. Now, go back over here to the book of, uh, remember back here in the, in the book of 1 Peter. You, you go to uh, 1 Peter chapter number 5 here. I want you to see something. Um, so many times, so many times Christians are really saying things like, you remember whenever Jesus was going across the sea and there was a storm came up and they were bailing and then they woke Jesus up and said, don't you care that we perish? Remember that? Now you've never done that, of course, but you know, God, don't you care that I'm going through this? Well, a lot of Christians are accusing him of not caring. Now listen here in 1 Peter chapter number 5. We're going to look at two verses actually and, and, and we're going to look here in 1 Peter and then we're going over to 1 John. In fact, go over to 1 John. Hold your finger in 1 Peter because I want you to go right there immediately. Go over to uh, 1 Peter chapter number 5. I'm sorry, 1 John. 1 John chapter number 5. Uh, we're going to 1 Peter chapter number 5 first of all and then 1 John chapter number 5 immediately after that. Now listen back here in 1 Peter 5, verse number, uh, verse number 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. Everybody say, he cares for us. Cares for us. Now listen, look in 1 John 5, verse 18. He said, we know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one touches him not. So notice, we, we see here, we see God cares for us. But then he said, we have to do some things to keep ourselves. In other words, yes, God cares for us. But there's some things we have to do to keep Satan from getting to us. Now, in this context, he says, he that is begotten of God sinneth not. We know that sin opens the door to the enemy. Remember, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 7, 4, 4, 27, don't give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. You can give place to the devil through sin. But um, you can also give place to the devil through things like worry. Actually, worry is sin. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You know worry is sin? He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him is sin. So when we know not to worry and we go ahead and worry, then we're sinning. Isn't that right? And then the Bible says whatever's not of faith is sin. Oh, well, sure, a whole lot of Christians sinning. Whatever's not of faith is sin. Did you know that's in your New Testament, in your Bible? Whatsoever, what is that, Romans chapter number, I'm wanting to say nine, but it might be 13 or 14. I'd have to look at it. I hadn't looked at it for a while. Whatever's not of faith is sin. Well, think about it then. Worry is not a faith, so that's sin. Now, it's the Christian sin, you know. Christians don't rob banks and commit adultery, you know, but they do worry. That's the one everybody, you know. <laughs> I'm getting some strange feedback. It's like you didn't come in ready to get this both barrels tonight. You came in ready for a little something a little slow. But 
Notice here he said, yes, God cares for us. But notice he said over here, whatever, uh, verse number 18 of 1 John 5, he said, he that is begotten of God keepeth himself and that wicked one touches him not. There's more than just, you know, going out and sinning like we call, you know, the big sins, adultery and things. We, there's no such thing as big and little, you understand. But what we call big sins, you know, well, that opened the door to the devil. Yeah, so well, what we call the little ones. The Christian, the Christian ones. <laughs> Worry, you know, telling little white lies, you know, just little things like Hallelujah. So um, he said, we've got to keep ourselves. Well, there's more than just keeping ourselves from sin. You know, you and I have to keep ourselves in faith. That's one thing we have to do to keep ourselves. But put that together with what, I, what, what the Bible said over there in 1 Peter chapter number 1, whenever we looked at that. Remember there it said, um, verse number 5, we're kept by the power of God. There's, there's, there's the power of God that keeps us, but we have to do something to keep it active. Because he said, there's certain things we have to do to keep ourselves. He that is begotten of God keeps himself. Am I getting through? Yes, God's power is there to keep us, but we have to do something to, to keep that power active. People say, why doesn't God care? He does. He gave you his power. He gave you what is necessary for you to be sustained in life. Are you there or are you going home? He gave you something to keep you by his power. Hallelujah. So you've got to do something to activate it. Just like the disciples, don't you care on that boat whenever they were going across the water? They accused Jesus of not caring. But see, he had given them everything they needed to shut that storm down. His care is given to you by giving you his power, giving you his word, which fills you with faith. And if you'll take the things he's given to you and use them, he will keep you and keep you from, from sickness and H1M1 flu. And you know what I'm talking about? You have to mix something with his keeping power. So don't think he doesn't care. He cares by giving you his power, giving you his word. You know, I could feel your refrigerator. You might be without some food and I just sneak in and you're not there and sneak in, fill your refrigerator just full of food and your cupboard's full of food. And you didn't know it or you didn't realize it. And then you go, well, I've been without and the church knew it for a whole week and why didn't they do anything? I did. Filled your cupboard's full of food. See, you're just waiting on me to open the cupboards and, and, and get it out and cook it for you. No, I'm going to supply it, you know, but you're going to have to do something with what you're given. Amen. Praise the Lord. So people think that God doesn't care. Why doesn't he care? Because, well, you know, nobody's given me anything. I need the money, whatever. Well, he's given you his power. Have you done anything with the power? The Bible says over there, remember in Deuteronomy 8, 18, is he that gives the power to get wealth. What have you been doing with that power? Well, I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I don't have enough money. See, see, you've been keeping that power dormant. The power doesn't function or operate or become active through you thinking how you're figuring out how you're going to, how you're going to get needs met. It's, it functions by saying, my God supplies all my needs. Speaking to your checkbox, casting down imaginations because that doesn't keep the power active. Can you say amen to that? 
So the, the thing that he's going to do is he's going to fill the actions of our faith with his power and that's going to bring about his will. Amen. He's going to be able to do the good pleasure of his will, according to this back here in 2 Thessalonians 1.11. You remember that? He'll, he'll fill the good pleasure of his will. The, another translation says every good thing he has purposed. In other words, every good thing he has purposed is going to be filled. It, be, your life is going to be filled with it through God's power filling your faith. It's the power that's going to bring it to pass. But you have to mix faith with the power to get the power to, to cause it to be. Yeah. My, mm, I'm preaching better than you're getting. Amen. Everything you desire for God to do for you, you have to release his power in that area. Amen. The things he's prepared and keeps ready for you and the things he wants to do for you, according to 1 Corinthians 3, 9, are transmitted to you by his power. That's the reason that he calls in Ephesians 1.3 in the uh, Bible says, remember, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Ephesians 1.3. The Amplified says every given by the Holy Spirit blessings. He calls them given by the Holy Spirit blessings because it is the power of God through faith in that power that causes it to be manifest in your life. Amen. Amen. That's why this is called spiritual blessings. They're given by the Holy Spirit blessings. Our job is to act in faith. That's how he gets his way in our lives. Praise God. That's what keeps the power active is our faith. We have to mix our faith with it. Amen. That's what you bring to the situation. You bring your faith to the situation. People say, well, what can I do? Remember, you hear a lot of people say, what, do, what, do I, what can I do? I need to do something. What do I do? Well, remember what the disciples came to Jesus. They said, what must we do that we might work the works of God? Remember John chapter number six? What must we do? They came to the place. They realized we've got to do something. A lot of Christians know they've got to do something, but they're trying to do something in the natural realm. But that doesn't bring the power of God into action. More work, a third job doesn't necessarily get the power active. Oh my goodness, the things I, I preach this and the things I have people come to me and say. You know, we're going to get out of debt, so we're doing this and we can't afford to come to this service anymore. That service. I'm thinking, I've been preaching this for seven years. What voice is speaking into your life? And I found out which voice it is speaking. See, they stop listening to the word and they, stop listen, they start listening to somebody else. If it's not the word, I don't want to get involved with it because there's no power in it. I said, I'm one power in my life. Amen. So that's what you bring to your situation. You bring your faith. What are we to do? People say, what am I going to do? You're going to do faith. You're going to act on faith. You're going to take the word of God and act like it's so. Amen. That's what you're going to do. You're going to bring your faith to the situation. You supply the faith. He'll supply the power. You do the acting on his word and he'll do the doing. He'll bring it to pass. I'm going to keep preaching this. Iowa needs to hear this. See, there's been this thing taught. Sovereignty has been taught so long that everything's just waiting on God to do something. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to do something that releases his power. Actually, if you study the Bible closely, remember over there in James 5, verse 16, I believe it is. You know, it says, uh, 14, 15 says, any sick, let him call for the elders of the church, pray over him, anointing with oil, prayer of faith, save the sick, the Lord will raise him up. 
If he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. Then remember this, verse 16. He said, uh, confess your faults to one another. Pray one for another that you might be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Okay. The Amplified is more accurate in the, than, than the King James, in the, you know, according to the Greek. The Amplified says it makes tremendous power available. What does? Just God sovereignly doing something? No. He said this kind of praying makes a tremendous power available. Now, he just got done mentioning two kinds of prayer. He mentioned the prayer of faith, and he mentioned that word prayer is the Greek word in verse 16. It's the Greek word supplication, which is praying in the spirit, praying something through kind of praying. We've talked about that in prayer school. So those two kinds of praying, one, find out which one, which one you know, God's leading you into in this situation. One of those things you've got to do is pray through in the Holy Ghost or you've got to you know, release your faith. Pray the prayer of faith, believing that you receive. And he said it makes tremendous power available. Dynamic. Dynamic. And it's working. So when you look at that, really, God's given the power. Remember, the Bible says that the power is to usward who believe. It's towards us, but we've got to release it by our faith. So really, one thing you could say is this, that we really, as Christians, we are power brokers. We're directing the power of God toward the situations of life or the situations in our nation. I come across Christians. Christians too often are saying, isn't this awful what the government's doing? Blah, blah. Well, it is. And I, I've, I've, I've had to repent for saying those things myself, you know, because that isn't releasing the power of God. But we've got to be speaking the word of God over. I don't know. I think it's on Sunday. We're going to have the prayer. Pastor Nancy prayed, led us and taught us some things about praying, remember? And during the camp meeting, we're going to have that out there for you. Just print it out for you. Just take that and speak it. Pray it. Talk it. Amen. So we can direct the power of God. Now, with that in mind, think about this over there in Psalm 91.1. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place of the Most High. What is that? The power of God, really. Now, and also it says he'll dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. The word shadow in the Old Testament is translated more often defense than it is that word shadow. The Bible says... <laughs> and the Bible says God is light and in him is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Yeah, yeah. See, if, if you are a being of light, God is light, you know. Amen. If you're a being of light, there's no such thing as a shadow around right. you. Because right. right. you're light. Well, that's the way God is. It's not the shadow of the Almighty. It literally, the Hebrew means defense of the Almighty. But how do you live in that place where you're defended by the power of God? You've got to keep your faith active. That's one thing you've got to do is you've got to keep your faith active. Am I preaching all right? So really what we find then is God will fill our actions of faith with his power. Praise God. We're laborers together with God, the Bible says. We're laborers together with the power, in other words. You understand that? Now, over here again in 1 Peter chapter number 5, I'm going to, I mean in chapter number 1, I'm going to keep going back to this and want you to notice it. Praise the Lord. So it's not, it's not okay just get up in the morning and say, well, I said it yesterday. Well, you had power yesterday too. You know, you want it today, don't you? Just like whenever you get up in the morning and you, how many of you know you don't just get up in the morning and you, you don't say, why aren't the light, if you get up before light, you know, why aren't the lights on in the house? I turned them on yesterday morning. Well, you probably turned them off when you went to bed. So, 
you have to turn them on again this yeah, morning. Isn't that right? right? Well, the same thing with the power of God. You don't just get up every morning and say, well, why isn't the power working for me today? You just keep it, keep it moving. Keep it, keep it active. Keep the switch of faith turned on. Hallelujah. It's got to be constant and continual. Now back here in 1 Peter chapter number one, do you notice this? He said, we're kept by the power of God. He's speaking of our father's care for us. So don't accuse him of not caring whenever he's given you everything you need to, to be sustained and, and to live successful and live, live victorious. Praise the Lord. So we're kept by the power of God. I am kept, let's say it this way, I am kept through my confession of faith by the power of God. Because that's one way to activate the power of God. In fact, that's the primary way the Bible says to activate your, 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 uh, your, your faith. You know, an active faith will keep the power active. So we're kept through our confession of faith by the power of God. I like that, don't you? We're sustained, we're upheld. See, the, over time, if, just in the natural, you know, your body wants to quit. It wants to, your knees want to start hurting. You're, you're, you're uh, you know, you're, you, you get little tricks and things, you know. But see, that's just because the power of God's not kept active in our flesh. We want to keep the power of God active. We don't want to be wearing out in our hearing, wearing out in our eyes, wearing out in everything, you know. Well, my old knees are wearing out. Yep, you kept saying it. Amen. Let's say the power of God's working in my knees. Praise God. So with that in mind now, I want you to go over to a, in Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Hebrews, the sixth chapter. And uh, I want you to notice something the Lord spoke to me about this afternoon here regarding this. You know, the word of God is our answer. It's our help. But uh, we have to be doers of it. Sometimes we might have heard some of these things, but we let them slip, you know. Now, here in uh, Hebrews, the sixth chapter, the fifth, I mean, the uh, 12th verse, he said that you be not slothful. Lazy, we would say today. How many of you understand lazy better than slothful? Don't be lazy, but followers. The King James says followers. My, my King James has a little letter, two little letters, CC out here uh, by that word followers. I look in my margin and in the Greek, it means imitators. And I looked that up. That's accurate. So do, be not lazy, but imitators of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Don't be lazy. He said, imitate people of faith. Be a person of faith is, is what he's saying. And through faith and patience, we enter in. One translation says we enter into the enjoyment of the things promised. That's what one translation said. I like that because I don't want to. Yeah, it's. It, there's not a whole lot of enjoyment of a promise. There's right. some enjoyment. Right. Right. Come on. But, you know, like if you promised to give the church, yeah. you know, $50,000 to do whatever, you know, whatever. We're, right. Let's say we were receiving an offering for something and you, you promised to give it $50,000. Right. Well, the church, the promise is great. Yeah. Yeah. But the enjoyment of it is... <laughs> taking that 50,000 and use it to reach the people, you know, that we're called to reach, you know, cause uh, you know, I'm thinking of right now, I'm thinking of one thing. Uh, we just want to do kids crusades out on a, I want to get a, a, you know, a trailer like thing and have kids crusades out in these places. I got more vision than you can, 
you know, so many things I want to do. So don't think, well, what are they going to do if I give them that money? We'll find it. There's a whole lot of things we got to do. <laughs> but anyway, you know, we would enjoy holding, reaching those kids for Jesus much more by having the money than by the promise that it's going to come in. Whenever it's in our hands, we go by the trailer and we go out there and do the kids' crusades. We have these little kids praying the sinner's prayer. And mama and daddy in the back with tears streaming down their eyes. You know, mm, mm, mm. that's enjoyment, you know. That's what it's all about. But see, that's much better than just promising I'll send it in or something like that. So we want to enter into the enjoyment. How do you enter into the enjoyment? Through not being lazy in faith. Sometimes people are workaholics in the flesh, but they're lazy in the spirit. And they get, they get a, lot of, a lot of fleshly activity going, but it's not, produce, it's not releasing God's power. Do you understand that? Now, we have to believe then that whenever we act, in our, act on our faith, that it will cause us to enter into things. The power of God will take us into things. We enter into the enjoyment of things by using our faith, not being lazy in faith. Now, what we have to recognize is, in Psalm 127, 1, it says, Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Lest the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in vain. You could say, because when it says the Lord, how many of you know the way he does things is through his power. So unless the Lord's power is involved in us, now notice there he said, building the house or keeping the city. That we can apply that to our personal lives. Unless the Lord's power is causing things to be built into our lives. Unless the Lord's power is keeping us healthy, keeping us sustained financially, keeping our mind. Remember the Bible says the peace of God will garrison Mount Guard over your heart and mind. It takes more than just, well, I'm not going to think about that. Out, you know, the culture out there, all the stuff in their economy. I'm not going to, it takes more than that. You have to replace the thought with the word of God, which the word has the power in it. So it takes more than just natural things or self-help methods, you know, uh, to, to have a kept life or a, a life that has things that God wants to be built into it, kept in your life. It takes actually the power of God, which is in God's word. Um, amen. I like what Charles Capps calls the word of God. He says he calls it God's uh, gospels. You know, people give, you know, the doctor gives people pills for this and pills for that. Well, take some gospels. Amen. Amen. If you got a squirrely mind that's all anxious and wrought up, take, take Philippians chapter number four. You know, uh, you know, keep your minds, keep him in perfect peace. Isaiah 26, three, he'll keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Take that gospel. <laughs> There's enough power in that verse when you act on it to give you a sound mind. To, ca to cause that anxiety to be kicked out. You act on that verse. Ca casting your care on the Lord. Casting down imaginations. Speak those things over yourself. Say it. I cast down imaginations. Amen. It's, uh, it preaches good in church, but when you do it, it's when you get the results. When the, see here, you know, you're in this atmosphere, faith is preached and you, you probably forgot about all those things, but you know, the things that you're tempted to be anxious about, but it's out there whenever you're facing it tomorrow morning, that's whenever you got to say, no, I cast down that imagination. I, I take uh, every thought captive. That means you hold it up. One translation says you bring it under arrest. 
In other words, you get your gun out, you put your badge on, and you say, you're under arrest. When the thought comes that you're not going to make it financially, you say, you're under arrest. You have crossed the police line. You have, you're trespassing on a mind under renovation by the word of God. Pow, 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 pow. <laughs> Casting it down, replacing it with God's word. Praise the Lord. You all, you all getting this tonight, aren't you? Now, there's certain things that, there's certain laws that govern the power of God. In other words, uh, you know, the woman with the issue of blood, she tapped into something and caused the power to flow. Caused it to become active. It was on Jesus. But she tapped into a spiritual law that caused it to become active. And Jesus told us exactly what it was in Mark 5, verse 23, no, verse 34. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Well, how did, she, how did she use her faith? How did she activate her faith? The Bible says in the King James, for she said, if I may touch his clothes, I'll be whole. The Amplified is more accurate in the Greek, for she kept saying. She kept saying. In other words, all the way there, she kept saying, I'm going to touch his clothes and I'm going to be healed the moment I touch him. And then she didn't just do that. She, I, mean, I mean, she didn't just say that. She went and acted on it. I mean, give me, let me give you some of you a, a little clue in the area. Maybe some of you would like some help in. I'm not trying to imply anybody. I look at the ceiling. I look at the television lights whenever I say this. Because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it. People just want help in certain areas, you know. How many of you know you can say, you can make a confession of faith. If I would walk on the treadmill a mile every day, I'd lose some weight. That'd be a confession of faith. But how many of you know you won't lose any weight by saying... You got to get on the treadmill and start walking every day. <laughs> now, it's not my business. I'm just saying if you want some help, there's some help. So the woman with the issue of blood, she said, if I can touch him, that's, that's, a, that's a, a confession of faith. But then she went and she acted on that. She did it. She did it. And she was healed. She said, Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. In other words, her faith, she tapped into a spiritual law, really. A law that governs God's power. And that is the law of faith. Amen. Isn't that right? And things can be almost seemingly impossible. See, her situation was impossible. A certain woman had an issue of blood 12 years. You know, after 12 years, you can think there's just no way. That's a long time. A certain woman had an issue of blood 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians. So she had been to many doctors. They couldn't help her. And had spent all of her living. She didn't have any money left. She spent all her money. And still, she was nothing better, but get this, she's getting worse. So, listen to all those things, and you can get pretty under it. That can seem like an impossible situation. But guess what she did? She heard of Jesus, and she said, oh, she, an impossible situation was changed by just acting on a spiritual law one time. Daughter, he said, your faith has made you whole. So, she said it and acted on it and tapped into the power of God. Now think about a guy, there's, there's laws in the natural and there's laws in the spirit. Think about a guy who says, you know, because for, for, for really for centuries, you know, you go back and you, you do uh, studies of history. Um, trying to think of the man's name that uh, he was a scientist years ago. I'm, I'm wanting to say Aristotle, but it wasn't. Um, you'll probably, somebody will know. But anyway, there's been, there's been for centuries uh, diagrams drawn by scientists on how, to, how man could fly, you know. Think well, Da Vinci, that's who did that. You know, thank you. And so man has always had the desire to fly, but it seemed impossible. 
you know. And how many of you know, though, that all they had to do was, was learn one of the, the laws of nature and, and then design something to, to cause those laws to work under, under the circumstances that need to be in place, you know. That's the way many of these scientific experiments come to pass. They, they figure out what the law is and then they design something that'll make that law work. And so man for a long time wanted to fly, but how many of you know you couldn't get up on the top of a, a cliff and jump off and start flapping your arms? Because that didn't tap into the law of lift. The air going over your arms is not greater on one side than the other side and it doesn't, and, and you can't do it fast enough. Or long enough, after a while you're going, uh, uh, you know. So there's certain laws. See, I'll keep you all awake tonight one way or another. There's certain laws that have to be in motion for it to work. And whenever the, well, the Wright brothers, and there were some other ones, you know, learning some of it, but the Wright brothers were the first successful ones, they put it into action. And so, sure enough, they got on that machine, just took off. Now, they didn't understand everything yet, and they, they kind of were, you know, not real stable at it. Wasn't real controlled, sort of controlled, but they eventually got it to where they could. And today, we've got machines going, you know, how many times? Three times the speed of sound. You know, and just doing some amazing stuff because we've studied and learned all these laws. You know, the laws of gravity affect it and the laws of lift and the laws of, you know, all these propulsion things and all those things. Well, see, they've learned and they've tapped into all these laws. The more laws they tap into and make use for them, the more, the, the more uh, faster they can go and the more they can, they can benefit out of that. Is that right? Well, a guy that's trying to fly, he can't flap his arms, so he has to tap into a law. Same thing with you. You might not be able to cure the cancer, but you can tap into a law. Because there's laws in the spirit just like there are laws in the natural. The laws of nature work for whoever puts them into activity. You know? Hallelujah. And spiritual laws can be worked for you or against you. You know, the law of gravity can be used for a man's benefit or it can be his destruction. A guy that steps off the edge of his house, you know, in order to get down quicker, <laughs> it might be his destruction, you know. So we have to put these laws into motion. And these laws are governed. The, the laws of the Spirit are all revealed in the Word of God. Now, a lot of Christians are doing this, and I'm, I'll wrap this up with Ecclesiastes 10.10. 10. Over here is a verse that the Lord showed me years ago, and I thought, man, does this help me. This described me from top to bottom. This is the way I was, I was living my life until God had got this through to me and then got my mind renewed. In this area, it's still under renovation, you understand. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we are making progress. Look at your neighbor and say, we are moving forward on this. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10. He said, if the iron be blunt, we would say, if you, if you uh, look it up more in other translations, if the axe is dull, that's a, that makes more sense to us. If the axe is dull... Then he must, uh, then he, and he do not wet the edge. That means sharpen the edge. Then must he put to more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. So what's he saying? If you, if you sharpen your axe before you go cut that tree down or whatever you're going to do with it, you won't, it won't take as much of your strength because every one of your blows will will go through the wood more if it's sharp, you know. But if it's dull, it'll kind of bounce halfway off of it and 
you'll kind of nub it off after three days. <laughs> so he's talking about um, that's the way it is in life. Like I'm talking about this man who's flapping his arms trying to fly. He's going to wear out trying to get himself in the air. He could wear himself out flapping his arms or he could just go buy a plane ticket and get on a plane. Or borrow somebody's plane or something and get on a plane. And then he could lay back and take a snooze and get to wherever he's going. And he doesn't have to wear out. He's not, he's not losing any physical energy. Isn't that right? Same things with the laws of the spirits. What he's telling us here, if we will put spiritual laws into action for us, we will not wear out as much physically. If you're lazy towards your spiritual work, you'll have a harder time or you'll have to labor harder in your natural work. And you have to put forth more natural effort to get the same results. Now, I just said a mouthful right there. See, remember over there in the feet, we read it over in Hebrews, actually, the 6th chapter, 12th verse, that you be not slothful. Don't be lazy, but you could say it this way, use your faith. Use your faith. So what he's saying is, don't be lazy. Get to work in faith. Can, can't you see that's what he said? In other words, put your faith into action. Many Christians, because they live in the carnal realm, they, they're more apt to work hard in the natural than they are to work hard in the spirit. They're lazy spiritually. The world sees them and says they're, they're a hard worker and they might be in the natural, but God sees them and says they're, they're just very slothful, very, very lazy for in my eyes. <laughs> Amen. And so if we're lazy in the spirit, we're going to have to be put forth a whole lot more effort in the natural to get the same results and probably never will get the same kind of results. Because if you're laboring against, if you're laboring in the natural, but the spiritual realm is working against you, ultimately spiritual things are going to win out. You understand what I'm talking about? In other words, let's say you're working hard at your job, but you go home every night and say, I don't know why I'm, I work so hard and I never get ahead. Well, you just spoke against all the natural effort you put forth. So now you've got natural things working for you, but spiritual laws working against you. And spiritual things will win out every single time. Well, I, I would suggest you do is you do something in the natural, but keep the power of God working in the same direction as your, your natural efforts are going. Because if the power of God's working in the same direction, it'll be like wind in your sails. Rather than just you working, it'll be the power of God working. You know, you'll put your hand to it and God will put his hand to it. And it'll, it'll, I mean, what takes other people a year to get done, you'll get done in three weeks, you know. This isn't just wishful thinking. I'm living this way. Hallelujah. So we work, and it takes work. What do you mean work? It is work to, to use your faith. It's work because you have to cast down imaginations. You have to protect your faith. You have to labor. The Bible says labor, therefore, to enter into rest. And previously it had said, this is the rest that you believe. This is faith. Faith is entering into a rest. So there's a labor to get into faith. There's a work. Now, I'm not talking about working hard and natural. I'm talking about there is, a, there is a, uh, a diligence in the Word of God to build faith into you. Doesn't happen because you get up one morning and decide, I'm going to go to that faith church. We can help, but we can't do all your work for you. 
God won't let us do all of it. He's going to require it of you and me individually in our lives. So it's work to resist opposition. When Satan's coming against you and you're going the direction, you know, where you're going is right through him. In other words, all the, the winds of unbelief are directed against you and God says, that's where I want you to go. It's work to resist that opposition. It's work to cast down imaginations. It's work to keep your, your uh, faith when the devil's coming for it. Whenever he's trying to strip you of it. It's work. Amen. It's work to keep believing when, you, when, uh, when worry tries to uproot your faith. It's work to cast down worry and, and to say, I refuse to think thoughts of worry. I have the supply. It's work to say, I'm not going to worry. It's work to give the Bible answer whenever everything else is saying it's not true. The devil said, it's too late. You're already, you're already, uh, you know, sick with this. You say, the Bible says by his stripes I'm healed. It's work to do that, to give the Bible answer. Amen. It's work to pay attention to the word of God rather than pay attention to the circumstances. Cast down imaginations and thoughts. Amen. You have to do more than just get saved by faith. You have to live by faith. If you want to experience the power of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. It's work to develop your spirit. Yes. And to build your faith. Yes. The fruit of the spirit and all these other things. It doesn't happen because you got saved. It happens because you feed it. Yes. Feed your spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. That's what this church is all about. This church is not about handing you all your blessings. This church is about handing you what it takes to get to receive your blessings. You know, we're not here handing out fish. We're handing out fishing poles. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. And we're saying, now here's, and we'll show you where the fish are. They're in, they're in the word of God. Now get out your fishing pole. Amen. So it's, it's work to, to pull in out of the flow of the word of God. Pull in what you need out of it. Praise God. It's work to sow to the spirit, not to the flesh. Praise God. It's It's work to discipline yourself, to get in the word first thing in the morning. When your mind says, well, I just don't have time. Got to do this, got to do that. How many of you know after a while that'll get to be a pattern? And it's work to discipline yourselves, to hold yourself in that place of fellowshipping with God and meditating, concentrating on the word of God rather than thinking about all the things you've got to do. Amen. It's work to shut down the mind whenever thoughts are racing like machine gun bullets through your mind. It's work, isn't it? It's work to, get, to learn God's definition of things. You know, what is his definition of healed? The world's definition is, well, the symptoms aren't there. That means I'm healed. It takes work to renew your mind to God's definition. God's definition of healed is when the power went in, you're healed. Amen. Not when I see symptoms are gone, but when the power went in. So it's work to renew your mind to get God's definition. It's work to believe you're prosperous when you don't have any money in, in your wallet or your bank account. Praise God. It's work to focus on the supply rather than the bank account balance being the supply of God's word. Amen. It's work to stand up in the face of need and say, I have more than enough. Praise God. It's work to stick with something until it comes to pass. I remember the first time I did that, I finally decided I'm, I'm not going to quit until I receive what I, what I claimed. And I had to get through all kinds of unbelief, but eventually I got there. Amen. If you stick with it, it'll come to pass. Yes. It's work to walk in the light you have. Yes. 
But here's something the Lord said, and I'm closing down with this. These things are work, but the, the, if you are sufficiently in the Spirit, all of these things become much easier. Amen, you all there? It's if you work, if you spend enough time with God so you are sufficiently in the Spirit, all this work is done with ease. I found that out. The more, the more I practice spiritual things, exercise myself in spiritual things, casting down imaginations, all these things that we're talking about, and the more I practice that, as you practice the habit, it becomes more like first nature rather than second nature. And it's rather than an afterthought. You know what I mean? It becomes more first nature where you just do it almost without thinking because it becomes, you, your spirit has been exercised in it. You're practiced in it. And you learn to walk that way and live that way. And you learn to identify wrong thoughts quicker, you know. Praise God. Amen. You're not wrestling with the devil near as much as you are wrestling with thoughts. And unbelief that, that he presents to you, of course. So we have to recognize that as we cast down imaginations, we are protecting our faith. Our faith has to be protected and it's work to protect your faith. You can be in faith one day and, and let something get in and affect it adversely the next day. And before you know it, you know, you're back to where you were, you know, in unbelief and, you know, not resisting the devil anymore. Praise God for the word. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life. 